frobnicate your blobs. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah. Actually, you should be frobnicating anything. Sounds um, inappropriate. Okay, children, it's that time of the week again. Episode 178 of PHP Ugly is on the air. Deja vu. I'm Eric <laughs> Johnson, and with me, like, as if the first time ever, John Condon. Hello, hello. And Thomas Wrightup. Hoy, hoy. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't have as much enthusiasm on the second time there, Thomas. Well, I cracked a beer into the microphone the first time, and then it, I can't uncrack oh, it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm sorry. Very upset. I'm sorry. How's everybody doing? How's everybody's week? I had an exciting week, so I can't wait to dive into this, but I, I don't want to hog the entire show. So, how's everybody's week? Good and bad. Good and bad. bad. Mm. Well, okay, bad is a little strong. Good and not so good. Well, what was the not so good? Uh, just work in general, you know, things... There's always crap going on, right? So dealing with yeah. clients can be a, a huge pain. You know that struggle. I hear it. To the point where Eric's threatening to quit. And I'm like, no, not yet. Quit next week. <laughs> what? Wait, what's next week have to do with anything? Huh? How is there a better time for me to quit, first off? Well, life that has me in. concerned. <laughs> no. <sighs> sometimes sometimes it's really hard not to have a knee-jerk reaction to some clients. You know? Yeah, especially it, me. I, I, I have a tendency to wear my uh, emotions on my sleeve, and there's no question about that. Oh, my gosh, yes. Hey, fuck you, man. No, wait. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's just like having a job where you need to walk away from the job at the right time. You have to be prepared. The same thing goes with clients. You can't just have a knee-jerk reaction and tell them to go screw themselves. Unless you're that big, which we're not, so. For the record, nobody told anybody to go screw themselves. My emotions weren't that raw. He he muttered (laughs) it under his breath, but didn't say it to the person. Yeah. It's just, I have... I mean, I definitely have issues, and and one of my bigger issues is when I feel like I'm being disrespected. And I don't care who you are, I don't care what the situation is, if you're disrespecting me, we're, we're going to have a problem moving forward. And we're just, we're in this meeting with this client, it's a long-standing client, and everybody's frustrated about uh, a project, and, you know, we're trying, it's now bubbled up to the heads of the company, so it's... Myself, John, and the head, you know, the, the the owner of the company we're working with, and and basically his right hand man, and so now we've been in meetings for for weeks to kind of baby step this project through, and we got to the point where it's like John and I couldn't get two words in without just getting ridiculed and and shut down basically like every conversation we try to have it was it was it, he was like slamming the door this wasn't me was it no <laughs> and it's a tough situation because again you know these are clients this is this is you know big clients to us i mean this is a lot of money but i, I have i have a level of integrity and if you're not going to respect us and you're not going to respect our role then why are we why are we in a relationship together? And this is the conversation that I wanted to start having, but, uh, but I, you know, I did probably say some inappropriate thing. I mean, you know, basically I tried to say something, he said something and I just said, all right, well, I'm done. I mean, if you're not going to let me talk, there's no reason for me to have it, to try to have a conversation with you. Yeah. <clears throat> and you know, it was probably a little out of line, but <laughs> I don't know. It was. It, it didn't seem like any, any other conversation was moving forward. It was just really unfortunate that his mother had recently passed. <laughs> and no, 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 no. don't even get me started. But <laughs> I so yeah, yeah. To. That was that was a rough that was a rough meeting. You're right. You're right. I didn't. I definitely didn't make it better. But you know, I I don't know. I definitely want some integrity, and I I, I want. I don't know. 
it's a it's it's a bad it's a rough patch right now all around because it's been a long process and everybody's frustrated. The client has more right than anybody to be the most frustrated because it's been his money, it's been his his vision, his goal that's you know he doesn't feel like it's being achieved. That's tough. It's it's a it's it's hard. It's hard it's hard to admit that. I mean it's hard to sit here and tell listeners, hey, you know, we've been working on a project and you know the the client who, you know, a couple of years ago was coming to us saying we would be out of business had you guys not stepped in and saved my company. You know, now telling us that you know we can't seem to get anything done for him correctly. And I don't I don't enjoy having that conversation. I don't enjoy you know telling you guys telling you guys about it but but it's it's life i mean it's it's where it's at and that's that's how quickly you know things change in in the world of business i mean you're you're the savior one day and you know you're the exact opposite the the next scapegoat the next day yeah yeah the other the other fun one i was gonna say that was that was john's week eric how was your week (laughs) (laughs) john's week is basically eric pissing everybody off (laughs) Yeah, causing me a lot of stress there. Uh, I think I mentioned it before. I work on a, with a team for one of our clients, and we've been doing the six-week sprint that just wrapped up. And it, it's been a learning process. It's been good. And one of the things that bit me this week drove me absolutely insane, and it goes harkens back to an article in this month's PHP Architect magazine talking about code review. And how your your PR should be around a, a theme and have a single focus. If you're working on a new feature, it should be should be just that feature. If you're working on refactoring, it should just be that refactor. But we're in the six week sprint, huge feature, and one of the things I work on was calling another method. I look at that method and realize, well, this is. This is stupid. It's first of all, it had seven lines of code to trim the comma off the end of a string instead of just using the trim function. But that's beside the point. <laughs> I, you, I mean, you got you got to love legacy code. It is a decade old, so I'm sure that's at the pretty, time that's some, pretty rough, though. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was an interesting find. But in there, as a team, we've been trying to get really diligent about return types. If your method is supposed to return an array, it should always return an array, not an array or false. So I'm I'm in this method, it's returning false, and I look, nothing is expecting that, nothing is doing with anything with it, so I change it to return an empty array. Outside of that, we are using count. Using nothing, what? Using count, trying to get oh, the counts. Yes trying to get the count of this array trying to figure out what's you know if there's stuff in there do something if not don't worry about it lo and behold code i added to that outside method a couple years ago relied on a very weird side effect of count false count false was returning one and i wasn't even expecting it i would i didn't need the count i didn't do anything with it but a side effect of this whole function relied on having some sort of count there. So this code goes live, goes into production. I've told them, you know, the changes don't affect anything. You know, we, we put this sprint code out there kind of as getting it in there, but nothing was actually using it except for these couple of small pieces of the code that we actually touched. And I reassured them I've tested. It doesn't affect anything. You know, code will, be just fine. Sure enough, they release it on Wednesday, and shit hit the fan. It's like, <laughs> all of a sudden, a core piece of the business stopped working. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. We jump into a, a, a Zoom room trying to figure out what's going on, and I, for the life of me, I can't... It's a small population of users that it's affecting, and we can't figure out why. And... It finally turns out that's what it is. The 
this one piece of code that doesn't use counts at all was relying on this weird side effect. That's that's rough. It it, it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that that's that's our life right now. John brings down one client's core business and they're still happier with him than my primary client is with us. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> I I, I tweeted out there, and Tim, who's working on the same sprint, says, "Sounds like you found code that needs to be uh, unit tested." <laughs> like, no <laughs> shit, Sherlock. <laughs> but even still, unit testing that I don't think would have found that problem because it was such a weird one. So weird. Well, yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's, that's how that you tweet on that. The core of unit testing is, though, is that you write tests for when a bug occurs and you find the fix for it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're doing DDD. Mm -hmm. Speaking of unit tests. Yes, speaking of unit tests. How was my week? It was great. Um, Speaking of unit tests, uh, PHP Unit 9 came out. Uh, Lots and lots of backward-breaking changes. Uh, not a whole lot as far as new functionality, but it does start the process of integrating the new functionality of P- of PHP seven uh, four. What's what what functionality is that? Just like inherent support for seven four, oh. being able to oh, reflect oh. and understand it. Yeah. Okay, you know, I'm not going to let you skate, though. Wait, you, you don't just start diving into stories. We're all spilling not, our hearts out here. Well, so what was the, the... First of all, were the backward-breaking changes documented? Very and, well documented, yes. But they bit you in the ass, is what it sounds like. No, I'm not I'm not using it. I don't uh, <laughs> unit tests. <laughs> you bring up the story like you were negatively affected by it. No, not in the slightest bit. Oh, come on. Um, I had an interesting Wednesday. I had a a message come in that says, hey, we've got this project that's supposed to go out on Wednesday that's being done by other people. It's supposed to be end of day. And we're running into blockers that are completely halting everything, and you're the only one who can take it. So... We need you to hop in and find these blockers and fix them uh, so that we can roll this out at 6 o'clock today. Awesome. Yeah. So that was, a, that was a fun sudden dash to the line, the finish line. Did you make it? Yeah, I don't know. Of course, I always make it. <laughs> I, I'm still not letting you off the hook. We had a conversation last week that you had some sort of interview. Are we? That's f- tomorrow. And, oh, and okay. I'm I am uh, I'm crazy nervous. Yeah, I, just because I've been doing lots of studying, lots of paying attention to what it is that I know and do, and how that would be different, and understanding that's good. You know, understanding the role change and what that would mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, reflecting on my history and sort of pre-interviewing myself. A little soul-searching? That's good. A little bit, a little bit. Really been playing with Postman a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, I want to understand everything that's in there. It is such a gigantic, flexible tool, and I didn't ever use it to its fullest capacity. And I just find, everything I find in there I love. Um, mock servers, yeah documentation, um, importing public APIs. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah. So you can just, you can search for the Twitter ad API and pull that in and Mm -hmm. test it out and play with it. Such cool stuff. Um, and then sort of looking at how the workspaces component (laughs) works so that in a team environment, if I were in charge of something, how would I manage that? So a lot of that yeah. kind of stuff, um, a little bit of DevOps stuff, you know, research and just uh, focus. Um, 
but yeah, it's uh, it's a little stressful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, good luck, man. I'm sure you'll do fine. Just take, a, just relax. Be, yeah. be yourself. Uh, I'm yeah. trying to keep up my activity on Twitter. I told you last week that I'm just sort of participating a little more than I'm, I I used to, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, trimming my Twitter feed and adding some people who I should have been following from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's that's generally been my week is uh, stressing myself out and working and researching when there's no work to do. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, we had our meetup this week, our SDPHP meetup. Oh, yes. And, oh, man, was it good. So uh, we had, uh, we, for the first, I I believe for the first time ever, we had a remote presenter. I saw was, that. Was that our f- yeah. we've, we've had remote before. You had we? Taylor. Uh, have we? You yeah. had Taylor remote for the San Diego lug well, we did. We interviewed Taylor. I mean, it wasn't a true remote. This was a true remote presentation. I mean, we weren't having a conversation with the with the person. Um, but we had a, a Caleb uh, uh, Porzio. I think his his last name is. Um, yeah, he's real big in the PHP community. But uh, you guys might remember last year when I got back from Laracon, I was all jazzed about uh, a live wire. Which was a like project it was yesterday, Caleb. I remember that. Caleb had released it, and I was just blown away. I'm like, this is the next big thing in Laravel. This is going to be huge. And like, it was weird because it didn't seem to get as much traction as I anticipated. I, I thought this thing was going to hit like an atomic bomb, but it didn't. It, it was kind of like it, it was, it was something that it kind of got quiet again, and then it started uh, building back up uh, recently. And um, he he presented so he presented this Livewire along with another project that he started that kind of goes hand in hand with Livewire called Alpine JS. And my God, did he just recharge my excitement for this for this uh, package for this workflow for these for these ideas? I tell you what, he he's going to so I I. I'm pretty sure what he did was uh, he did a pre. He's going to be presenting at Laracon online, and I think that's what he was doing. Was he was doing he was kind of doing his uh, run through of his Laracon online presentation. You guys wait till you see it. Uh, John, John actually missed the meetup last night, so he actually didn't even get an opportunity to see it. This everybody there was absolutely blown away. Um, I and then I was I was just as excited as the first time I'd seen it. Uh, I I started to implement it on an, an on an administrative panel that we have for a client. Um, and then you know, but like I said, it just wasn't really getting like a lot of. I didn't think it was getting a lot of attention in the community, and I'm like, well, I was getting nervous about implementing it because it it still it still hadn't released hit release one. Um. It didn't seem to have a ton of people interested in support. So I'm like, I don't want to implement this because it's a very, it's a huge change in how you do things. Uh, I didn't want to implement it and then it just kind of go, goes away. But after the talk last night, all I'm going to say, again, watch his talk in Laracon online. I'm sure it's going to be just as impressive, but he really has me questioning my, uh, use of Vue.js moving forward. Like, had you asked me a year ago, even after Laracon, I would always tell you every Laravel project I spin up, I'm going to add Tailwind for my CSS and I'm going to add Vue.js for the JavaScript. That's just going to be boiler boilerplate for me. I, there's no reason for me not to do that. After this presentation, I I I will backtrack on that. I don't know when I'll use Vue.js again. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying I'm completely walking away from Vue.js, but I still have the struggle with Vue that I've always had. I'm not coding in it every day. And Vue is changing enough that when I go back to it, when I need to do some coding in it, it's different enough. So I'm having to relearn things and it's it's frustrating to me. And 
because of the nature of Livewire and now this Alpine JS, a lot of that struggle gets removed. A lot of the struggle gets removed. So I, I I don't want to spoil the 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 presentation, but you guys want to watch Laracon online this year, and you want to watch Caleb's presentation on Livewire, and he even kind of hinted that that Taylor is is embracing it in like maybe potentially it's going to become more of a first class citizen in Laravel and. I was very excited to hear that, and I and I totally see that. Like it would t- it would make complete complete sense for for this to become a first class citizen, and maybe even become just become part of the Laravel release, and not be a standalone package just because of its its behavior. It's, it's dare I say groundbreaking. I mean, it's something that no other no other framework does out of the box. Like no other PHP framework does what Livewire does. So Laracon Online is just a week and a half away. Yep. Yes, it's coming up quickly. Or is it a week and a half or two weeks? I thought it was like the 25th. 26th. Oh yeah, I guess I guess that would be a week and a half, huh? Yeah. Bad. It would be. Yeah, so so yeah, check that out. But then to capitalize on that, um since I had Caleb with me last night, you you guys may recall that last week we were talking about a tweet that Caleb put out about leveraging uh, HTTP um, endpoints as uh, Laravel models. Yes. And that, and that I, tweet caused a stir all over the web. Yeah. It, it, it That's exciting stuff. And then John John's mentioned, well, that seems like that would be a perfect marriage for Couch. I'm like, wow, you're right. That would be a perfect marriage for a CouchDB data store. And so right away, I started hacking away, trying to get it to work, but I was having, I was having all these little, these little issues. So I, I, I tweeted at Kayla, but you know, I'm, I'm nobody. I, I didn't even, I wasn't even a blink on his radar. He never even saw it, but I had him on the phone yesterday, last night. I said, "Hey, you know, I tried this, and and he you know, he's kind of talking through it with me, and he, he didn't offer a lot of advice, but w- the one thing he said is he goes, "Well, are you getting an array?" I'm like, "Well, no, it's not an array. Uh, couch returns JSON, but in your tweet, you were hitting GitHub's JSON endpoint, so you were dealing with JSON." He goes, "Oh no, but at the end of ZTTP, I put that dash JSON on there." I'm like, yeah, I, I just assumed that was you telling ZTDP what sort of response it should be expecting. He goes, oh, yeah, no, that's misleading. No, that actually tells it to take the JSON and convert it to an array. I'm like, oh. So then that got me thinking. It's like, okay, well, I'm doing something wrong here. And I actually spent some time today doing it. And lo and behold, bam, uh, thanks to a lot of help from... Uh, another Diego Dev guy, uh, David, who's it's QT on um, Twitter. He's a huge CouchDB person, and I got on the phone with him. I'm like, "Listen, I I feel like I'm I'm just about to get this to work, but I'm having some problems. Can you help me with a few things?" And he's like, "Okay, well let's you know, let's create a view because it's you know it's better with indexing and this and that." And we did all this, and I got it working. So it's like you have a database in CouchDB. You define a model, you point it to that database, and lo and behold, you have eloquent access, an eloquent model of that database. I was so excited. I'm still excited about it. I haven't even done anything else with it. I'm still excited about it. I, I'm like, I want to use it on a project now. <laughs> well, I, re- I retweeted you to hopefully boost your... Uh, your reach? Your, yeah, boost your reach by my, I think... Hundred followers. <laughs> followers. How do you, yeah. how do you even I find was... that? Find oh, what? It's on your profile page. Hundred and ninety. That's not bad. Hundred and ninety. Respectful. You're rocking it. Well, I've I've noticed that when I reply to people on Twitter, I get a, like a bunch of followers every time. So that's all it takes. Yeah. yeah it turns out using the platform is the way you use the platform. 
Yeah, you got to be active. What do we got? You've got a... Uh, PSP Ugly's got 433 followers. That's what I can... All right, so that that was my big thing, man. I, w- I, I was so, so happy to, to get that done this week, or today. I'm like, I couldn't believe it once I had it. It's like, and it was it was just like, once it's working, it's like, okay, well, it works. Wow, that was that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't have anything to do with it, but uh, but it works. So, hey, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I'm sure David was excited to help you with it because he really wants to use some sort of NoSQL within some projects. Yeah. Another yeah, another interesting thing about that tweet was that's the first time any of us had seen ZTTP. Mm-hmm. And apparently it was the first time for like a ton of people because all of a sudden I'm seeing tweets constantly about ZTTP to the point where Taylor has actually said uh, he's considering including it in the next version of Laravel. I saw that mention, yeah. So it's it's funny to me how those things work out where like the video wasn't even about that. It was just something that he knew of that other people didn't know about. And mm-hmm. that was one of the things that took off from it. Isn't that Adam Wavin's uh package? Uh I, I, I don't I don't know. I might I might be just totally making that up. I just I just thought I had remembered remembered seeing that. No, it's not it's not Adam Wavin. It's Kite Tail. Oh, wait. Kite Tail? Who's Kite Tail? It's Adam Levin. <laughs> or at least he's the maintainer, according to Packagist. Adam Levin is the maintainer of that. That's the only, so, it's the only repo in that, that username. I noticed, uh, I noticed Caleb was doing that, too. Like, for Livewire... He, it's it's Livewire like the repo is Livewire Livewire and right. for his Alpine JS it's Alpine JS Alpine that seems like a such a pain in the ass to take to do but I uh, think I it makes sense when you look at how people split up API documentation JavaScript mm-hmm. Go you know it's if there's twenty things yeah. in the package that are maintained separately it makes sense. So this is Adam Wevin's package, and uh, it is it is just a wrapper. It's, he even says in here, simple wrapper, simple guzzle wrapper. I mean, so it still requires uh, so if you want to use that, you still can. I'm assuming. Right. Yeah, but that's like that built into. Z- I just don't like that it's called ZTTP. Is it? I'm assuming it's a protocol, but it's really not. So now I'm confused. <laughs> I get just it. You. Yeah. That's no, not just me, liar. I started typing ZTTP colon slash slash, and man, things just didn't work. <laughs> I didn't really do that. Um, did you guys know that PHP 8 is slated for December of this year? No. Yeah, yeah, you knew it was coming out this year. I did. Thanks for telling me what I know. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, you knew this. I knew it was this year. I, I I didn't really know when, but December is about as late this year as you can get. Oh, well, is that is that all you had? I'm I sorry. Was, no, I, I didn't. Sorry, it wasn't ex- as exciting as even CouchDB into an eloquent model, but you know, whatever. So I have, I think, I have a, a new pull request that I saw today that really changes stuff for me. It probably won't change a lot for you guys, but this is a big deal for me. Um, the, the HTML standard is a, a living document. So they use GitHub to manage you know, what, what it gets and what it doesn't get and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sorry, not... Did I say HTTP? I meant HTML. Oh, you did say HTTP. Yeah. Okay, HTML. So yeah. The HTML right. standard is a, a, a living document, and uh, they occasionally add new features to it, whatever. But this feature is one of the biggest ones I've seen in a long time. They've added lazy loading to the standard for HTML. How would 
how would that work in HTML? There's a pull request. <laughs> um, I believe that it's just a. So just just only load whatever is rendered and whatever is not rendered. It just what visible is the issue. That, that's that's what I meant. Yeah, like visible. Yeah, better word. So if if an image is specified as lazy load, and it's not within the viewport, then it doesn't load immediately. Or if it's just outside of the viewport, it'll preload. Um, okay. I haven't reviewed the entire pull request. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on. Huge specifications for how you define certain things, and it's interesting. Um, but it looks like it'll it'll allow for separate images to be defined based off of the size of the device, the uh, mm-hmm. DPI. So you can do all sorts of stuff with that, which I've seen done with JavaScript in the past. That'll yeah, be you really can, nice. Yeah, you can set uh, source set equals, and then different images depending on the uh, device pixel ratio. So this is a big thing for uh, the Apple Watch, phones, iPads. They all have different device pixel ratios. And you'll see a lot of places out there where people have images that are named image.jpg and then image-x2.jpg. Mm-hmm. So now that's part of the standard, and that's for a company that deals heavily in images. That's a pretty awesome new standard. So, John, we had a uh, we had a Diego Dev question in Discord. Yeah, um, Ryan, I don't know if you want to answer this one, but you're more than welcome to. It's 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 nothing too tricky. He he asked, uh, did Diego Dev happen to have a large amount of mobile app development last year? Would you say it's comparable to the amount of web apps you built? What do you say to to that, John? I want to say we had a large amount. We, I mean, we the mobile the only mobile apps we've really had are with our large client, and it's really maintaining mm-hmm. them. It's not really something for public access currently. Yeah. So so again, you know, our bigger client. I mean. It, it for that client, it is almost a one to one. You know, every, for every desktop app we have, we have a mobile app we're developing for them. But uh, that's it. Web I app, mean, not a desktop app, but web app. Yeah. The the only other one, which I don't even think I touched last year. I, it was years before. I actually needed to find that source code. I need to get my new laptop set up with Xcode or the Android library. Cause I guess, I guess it was 32 bit when I compiled it. I don't know. All I know <laughs> is I got to go in and do some work on it before the end of the year. Yes. John does do some mobile work. So to our defense, uh, Ryan, we're not known in the industry for our mobile development. Um, we do do mobile development. We have a mobile developer, uh, that where that's all he does all day long is mobile development. So we have a, we have a, I mean, in my opinion, we have enough mobile development for, for our team size. But, um, I imagine if you were a mobile developer, there would be just as much work for you as there is web work right now. Mm. In, in my opinion, I was, I was everybody's looking more. for mobile. Yeah. Everybody's looking for mobile. And the cool thing about mobile is like, it's easy to bang out these small little apps where it just does one or two things. Um, I don't know if that's why you were asking that question or not, but uh, yeah, we, we, have, we have plenty of mobile development, not as much as web, and we're not even a mobile development shop. <laughs> really comes down so, to, are, are people still creating mobile apps just around a web application. Since, yeah, since and actually web, it's funny mobile browsers have gotten so good lately and most people can are starting to get around the scaling properly. I don't know if you need a whole application anymore. Thank you for that beautiful introduction to Doom and Gloom because <laughs> oh my god. 
my phone updated from Android 9 to 10 this week. And not a lot to notice. They moved some stuff around annoyingly and added a, a dark mode feature. But it also started telling me when an application that isn't running got <laughs> yes. my location data. Yep. 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 That's And all of a sudden, I'm no, noticing stop. all of these apps requesting location data that I never intended to give permission to when it wasn't running. Yeah. And that was awful. I mean, like Yelp, out of nowhere. N- hadn't opened it in a month and a half, got my location mm-hmm. data. And my phone is just like, hey, I gave Yelp your location data because it asked. Like, no. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. 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 The nice that's, thing is they, they have tightened up the controls where you can do it only when I'm using the app now. Right. And yeah. that's great. But there's like a bunch of apps that don't need my location data that we're getting it too. Yeah. Yep. Like chat apps. That, that, now they're games. being re- now it's all being revealed. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. one of the reasons people want apps instead of browser stuff is to to use these poorly implemented security protocols to surreptitiously collect data. And yeah. I had I, I believe I had uh, Facebook ask for microphone access while it was in the background. Oh, I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, I don't run Facebook on my phone, so yeah. You have a pixel. You you have a choice. I literally don't have a choice. The Facebook app on my phone cannot be uninstalled. Yeah, I remember you talking about that. And self updates. Yeah, I I have Facebook on my phone. I'm I'm pretty sure I have it on my phone. I just don't run it. I definitely don't because I do it through the browser and it's constantly telling me install the app, install the app. I'm like, no, yeah, (laughs) no, (laughs) go away. Now, on a, on a related topic, though, in my industry, all web development is mobile development. It's not necessarily an APK or, like, an installable application. Uh-huh. But we focus heavily on developing for mobile platforms. Mo- mobile first? Mobile first, absolutely. So, so what happened? Well, so uh, a couple things. Uh, ironically enough, the only native... Mobile app developer we have is John, our our primary mobile app developer who has done native stuff in the past, doesn't do native app development any not for us. Uh, he uses uh, we use these JavaScript uh, frameworks that allow you to to run on both platforms or multiple platforms, and we've had a lot of success with that. Uh, I recently had and I honestly didn't have enough information for my friend when he reached out to me who said he was getting, he was interested and was told that he should be looking into PWA. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty common response. You should be looking to PWA because that theoretically is the direction everybody's supposed to be going. But What's man, that? that seems to be taking a long time. PWA. Yeah. Progr- progressive web apps. Yeah. It's, so they're like web apps that that you write at one time and it runs either on the mobile device or on the uh, in a browser and it's, it, it's supposed to work with the minimal amount of capabilities and then as capabilities are available it starts using those like your app should work without a camera but if there's a camera available now it can use it all right i've exposed yeah. myself as a fraud on the podcast now that's not good <laughs> <laughs> but I was telling him, I'm like, you know, PWAs was supposed to be the next hot thing, and it was supposed to be that for like the last couple of years, and it really still hasn't exploded the way everybody expected it to explode. So I didn't, I didn't really have advice to him. I'm like, I don't want to tell you not to do PWAs because it seems like that's what you should be doing it, but I'm not seeing a lot of them. There's a similar thing with WebAssembly, isn't there? Yeah, WebAssembly is another is another example of that. Yeah, I, th- I think. But web so, WebAssembly, uh, WebAssembly is a little further off, right? I mean, that's still something that's being developed. I think isn't Google doing mm-hmm. that one? One point oh, one point oh is done, and it's available in Firefox, Chrome, Safari, and Internet Explorer. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I understand it's done, but it's it's not like nobody's raving about it yet. It's it's kind of conceptually, this is what we're going to move to, but. PWAs are supposed to be here today, 
and they're not really taking over the web like everybody had expected them to. Okay. You guys are frustrating me. You, you, <laughs> Thomas says PHP 8's coming out end of this year. You said you know it, but everything I've found so far says it's September 2021. Okay, so that's where I got my information from. There was a tweet from... Uh, do, 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 do. Larry Garfield. Yes, that apparently had a, a joke that was really easy to incorrectly interpret. Um, Where is this going? Hold on. I'm finding the tweet that I was referencing. It's okay. Disappeared. Yeah. I, I don't know how it disappeared from my show notes. Um. That guy, Nikita Popov, sent out a tweet um, on the 10th that said, I don't know where people are getting their information from, but it's December this year, not September 2021. Huh. Okay. Uh, I, I saw oh. way more posts about it being September 2021, but I'm fine being wrong. So apparently the first person to like tweet out a release date was... Larry Garfield making a joke um, that references an account on Twitter that's now suspended. (laughs) But that was not anything official. Uh, Nikita Popov is the official guy. So there's no plan for a 7.5 release. The 8.0 release is December. Hmm. Yeah. I I don't know where I, I heard that. And, and maybe maybe where I had heard it wasn't an official source either, but I had heard that they were jumping from seven four to eight, and uh, and eight was going to be released in twenty twenty. So I, I, I don't know. I well, could be full of it as well. I think somebody tweeted that it was going to be twenty twenty one before anyone had set a release date, and so a bunch of blogs jumped on it and said, "Hey, this guy knows what he's talking about," and he predicted twenty twenty one. September, like specifically, mm-hmm. so just it got jumped on, and Google indexed everyone that jumped on it, and now it's the primary answer, even though it's incorrect. I hate Google. I, I, I you, you, oh my god! I'm going to start raging here in a minute. <laughs> we have been talking for so long about Google. I swear to God, if you want me to continue to give you money, fix your shit, man. Please fix your shit. We've been talking so long about the fact that we have a G Suite account and our, our Android devices are like our uh, hubs and stuff. We can't get our calendars on it because of some goddamn permission thing. And step aside the fact that my Amazon digital assistant has no problem not only giving me my Diego Dev calendar, but for some reason she gives me John's Diego Dev calendar as well. I don't know how that happened, but we have been, I, I've been raging about this for so long. They, they say they have, they, they're fix, fixing it, they're releasing it. Oh, you can fix it now. Nobody I've seen has gotten it working. It doesn't work anywhere. This weekend or this week, I, I'm, I'm, I reached a new level of frustration. I have a goddamn Pixel phone. With Google Calendar on it, my goddamn calendar is on my goddamn phone. My phone is plugged into my radio, which is an Android Auto uh, radio. The physical phone is plugged into the goddamn radio, and she still won't give me my goddamn calendar. She's like, I can't read your calendar. It's a, it's a G Suite calendar. I'm like, it's on the goddamn phone. It's like, I don't want to look at my phone to see what time my meeting is. You want me to get an next? Tell me my goddamn appointments. Oh my God! Google, fix your shit. Fix your shit, man. Good God! I'm so pissed off with Google. Holy smokes! That that, that has been going on way too long. It's been going way too long. I, I can't. I can't even begin to tell you. And, and the fact that every other digital assistant has no problem. Siri will tell me. Siri tells me my calendar all the time. My Google Suite calendar doesn't have an issue. The Amazon devices tell me no issue. I have stopped buying hubs. Like I won't buy any more Google stuff until the shit gets fixed because they're worthless to me. If if it's not giving me my calendar, that's I have to have that. It's so I'm so pissed off. Man, I can't wait to hear. Sorry, how you really feel. 
<laughs> so quick quick little side for there <laughs> uh, so that's that's your workout for the week right there <laughs> told you mo- emotion emotions on my sleeve oh my god oh man fix your shit google hey uh you know what i also think we've gotten a little too far along in technology you want to hear a funny story <laughs> do we do we all do we all know what tomorrow is Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day, that's correct. Yes. Yes, I hope you all are all prepared for that. So, I, being the good husband, and being forward-thinking, and having my little to-do list, and trying to stick to my to-do list, on Monday, placed orders for my wife for Valentine's Day. Basically, flowers, right? And I was getting it from a place that we frequently shop, so we have a shared account on there. So I'm like, well, you know, I don't want to order on the shared account because it's a shared account, right? So I I went through all the hassle of creating another account on the shopping site, ordering these flowers for my wife, thinking, okay, there's no connection. You know, she there's no way she doesn't even know I have this other account. All of a sudden, my wife says, "Hey, uh, what's being delivered tomorrow? You know, from UPS." From such and such flowers. And I'm like, wait a minute. How'd you know that? She's UPS sent me a, a notification. Fucking UPS. So this 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 company is sending the flowers through UPS. UPS gets this order. And of course, the order's addressed to my wife. Because the flowers for her. Her address. UPS says, oh yeah, we have this person in our system. Let's send them a notification that their flowers are coming. I'm like, son of a bitch. You like have to go into the internet and start digitally wiping your know, footsteps away, like like it's some master hack that just to is, send flowers. I blame the flower shop for that one. No, it's that's a UPS thing. She she signed up and to get UPS orders, I'm sure, for the, the house. Yep. Yeah, I, I can't. I, how can you blame the? How can you blame the store for that? But isn't a delivery of flowers always supposed to be a surprise? Again. I, the, the store just ships it out through UPS. I well, mean, they there's, can't there, say. There's got to be a setting that says, like, don't notify or this is a gift or something like that. You would think. Yeah, you would think. It would be, it would, to me, it would be on the flower shop to say, whenever we send flowers, don't put a tracking number on it or don't. Oh, so, so now you're going to say this is my fault. Is that what you're saying, Thomas? Are you saying it's my fault? I didn't, I didn't check a box somewhere. Are you blaming me now, Thomas? No, the flower shop. I'm sorry. Sorry, it's been a long, long, long. long <laughs> it's still not the flower shop's I've responsibility. The flower, if I sign up for alerts from UPS, I want those alerts. It's the, the flower shop can't tell UPS not to alert me. So that's why I order everything from China. <laughs> that's why I shop local. That's uh, shop local. As, that's the way you do it. I don't really shop. Local. <sighs> I'm terrible. So, last week. We talked about the vulnerability in the SHA-1 hash and how things are looking more and more bleak for that algorithm and that Git runs on SHA-1. You mentioned this, yes. Uh, So an article came up uh, in my feed today, published on the 3rd, that said a new hash algorithm for Git is in the testing stage, the unstable stage. Um, Naturally, because Git is relied on so much by so many people, this is not something that they just want to change and then push out. So most of the work has been done. It just needs to be tested and tested and checked and checked and checked. But there is now a command that takes an existing uh, Git repo and converts it into a SHA-256 based repo. And I'm happy. I'm I'm glad that that's moving forward. Uh, But one of the interesting things was that when it was originally programmed, it was programmed expecting SHA-1 hashes very low level. So there is deep changes in the code to fix this issue. 
Um, there's also an issue with uh, how blobs are stored when you're dealing with the hashing. So you have to do something called frobnicate your blobs. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah. So you should be frobnicating anything. Sounds um, inappropriate. And the convert repo command also uh, has the option of climbing the subtree. So you can actually convert the entire history of the repo to this SHA, this 256 format. Um, I don't know anything about how Git is handling or GitHub is handling this. Um, as we all know, GitHub is the only place now to do Git storage. Uh, but no, it's not. It, Liar. What's the other one? Bitbucket. Huh? Bit. What do you mean by Git storage? There's there's some ton, there's tons of other there there's there well, there's what's the other Git? There's Bit, GitLab. There's yeah, Bitbucket. Bit there's Bitbucket. Yeah. There's others. Yeah. Don't say only. Just say primary <laughs> if that's what you want to say. I don't think I don't think I said only. Popular. Popular. To, you did. I'll you totally it. said only. I'll fix that in the edit. <laughs> <laughs> did you see GitHub released a new command line tool? I saw that, but I didn't look at it at all because it's a ticket on your thing, and I'm not going to steal your stuff. Yeah. No. I I uh, I, I uh, just uh, just mentioned it, so we can talk about it now. Yeah. No, it's cool. It's uh, I I just downloaded and installed it. It's nice because uh, it appear apparently it respects upstream repos. So uh, when like personally, what I do is uh, when I clone a repo, I actually I actually fork a repo over to my personal uh, GitHub account, and then I clone it down to my local machine. Uh-huh. Um, and then on my local machine, I'll I'll create a pointer to an upstream uh, where the the source is right the where I got that code from. And um, with this, I, I didn't have to do any configuration or anything with with that pattern. With that pattern, um, get the GitHub command line. You know, when I like queried about pull request, it went to the upstream repo and looked up. Looked for a pull request for the uh, repo I was working in. That's fancy. And I was like, "Wow, that's very fancy." That's that's one of the things I really wanted. And you can do a couple other things with it. I I li- literally just uh, downloaded it today and haven't really gotten into it a lot. But, I, I bet it's not um, just. I bet it's not the naming convention of upstream. It's probably any remote you have. You think I was wondering that? I was wondering it's, if it's, it, it if it just figured out where you had forked. Like if if it. If it went to your repo, it says, "Oh wait, this is a fork of another repo." Yeah, right. that's not just stored in Git. It. That's that's a GitHub proprietary knowledge, so it would have to hit the remote server to figure that out. No, what are you talking about? If you add a, he's saying he added the remote locally. Yeah, I added so upstream locally. So he, no, he forked. You, right, but locally he forked and ad- locally he added the remote back to the upstream. If you added another remote to my copy of the repo. And there was a pull request in my GitHub account. You would probably see that as well. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm curious about that. That that, that would be a quite good question. Thomas, John, John is right. Yeah, so I you're right. I, I I forked it into my personal repo, but after I clone it down to my local machine, I add a remote back to upstream, so that. When as upstream is being updated, because we we work in teams, right? So we have we have multiple people working on it. So branches are constantly merged into master. So as I'm working on a branch, I will occasionally pull down from upstream the whatever master is just to make sure my branch is staying up to date. I've been speaking of getting all this. I've been doing a lot of feature branch work lately. And using mm-hmm. rebase a lot, and then rebase using yep. Git rebase. That's how you squash commits, but also using Git rebase onto a branch, referencing a commit, and then my current branch. Because wow, so <laughs> that's complicated. So it is to a point, but once you've done it a few times, it makes a lot of sense. So what was happening is you got your upstream master or develop mm-hmm. branch from there there's a feature branch that everyone's working off of and then from there is our our pieces our our branches to it right so we open a pr from our branch uh, to the feature branch okay 
So after a handful of those PRs get merged into the feature branch or work is done on the develop branch, the feature branch will be rebased against develop. Not merged, but rebased against it. Well, that now means See, that now means you need to rebase merge? your... It keeps the history clean. Yeah, that's what John keeps telling me, and I, and I get that. I just I struggle with rebasing all the time. So I, I can never seem to do it right. The the way that rebase works for people that don't know is that rebase rolls back all of your commits to when you originally forked your branch. It updates the base fork and then reapplies your commits one at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's considered a dangerous way to do this behavior because no. conflicts can, you can have conflicts that waterfall down really badly, which I have. That, that's where this onto piece comes, comes into play. So if without the onto flag, I've had that, that issue where it's like every, uh, Every commit afterwards is a merge conflict, and it's right. a, it is a mm. pain. But so, what does onto do? It, it's I can't even explain it correctly. All I know is it you does. You can say voodoo. you don't know. I I don't know. It does some voodoo magic. I I've, <laughs> I've read it a couple of times, and it makes sense seeing the 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 diagrams, but that doesn't really tell you anything. So. It's well, taking I, it's taking the commits from my my local branch from the old version of the feature branch, but now that feature branch is completely changed. So now it's saying, go find the new spot of the the feature branch and start only from my first commit, where prior, without the onto, it goes back to a commit that both branches have in common. So it goes back to the beginning of the feature branch. So all of those commits of the feature branch gotcha. are going to have merge conflicts. So gotcha. I, I, I lied. I can't explain it. Well, I, I used rebase a lot for when I wanted to bring a, uh, a feature branch up to date. And I've pretty much abandoned that now in favor of doing a merge. Just because... I've had tickets yeah. where people are working in the same thing, and as the senior developer, I wanted to make sure that when I undid what they were doing because I knew better than them, there was a log that was saying, <laughs> this was undone by me. Mm. Um, because when I, when someone makes a change that I'm also in the area working on, and I end up doing something radically different because I've made a decision about how the whole thing is supposed to operate... If I were to rebase, I wouldn't have a history, a, a get blame history of me doing that. It would just be done to a very, very early commit. Um, because rebase rewrites the history of the commit log. Mm-hmm. So I it's mean, sort of hard. It, it, it's got to be used responsibly. You're not supposed to be rebasing. Which is why I don't use it. Because <laughs> you're not responsible. That level of responsibility, I'm just not prepared for. No, it's just I'm, and I've I've found I have far fewer issues uh, get merging to develop than I do get rebasing to develop. Yeah, and I, I I can't tell you why. I just know that it goes a lot smoother. I I, I merge force everything. Just get it over with. <laughs> he, he does a merge force and then pulls the plug on his computer halfway through the push. That's right. That's right, man. Yeah. I, I just like I like, like it to be a surprise. You know, see where we're at when uh, when next person pulls down. Yeah. All right. I think I think we're running long, man. I think we're good. I have just a touch of doom and gloom. You or, did do bright already. or bright and shiny. Oh wait a minute! I have a, I have a. We can do Patreon. We want to thank our Patreons. Hopefully, hopefully we're all still streaming here. Thank you, all of our Patreons, for contributing to the show. We uh, we appreciate your viewership. Yes, thank you. And uh, yeah. 
See, doom and gloom. All right, doom and gloom. And Go. Once, once again, the uh, the update on my new computer that I'm building is not funded by Patreon. Just one component. <laughs> I have to make that clear because one of my components ended up being $700, which is insane. Jesus, $700. Yeah. Yes, that wasn't that wasn't our component. No. That wasn't Patreon did not pay for that component. So, uh we discussed I can Hold on. Hold on, Thomas. I think I think John just checked out. Hmm. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm watching. You checked out long right. ago. No, I yeah. didn't. <laughs> uh we discussed I can uh, in their secret uh, sale of .org domains to a for-profit company and how much that's not a good thing. It turns out that there was another secret deal made between ICANN and Verizon, which allows Verizon to be the owner of all .com domains and set the prices on .com domains. Um Previously, ICANN was the owner of all the dot-com domains, and it set a base price that hadn't changed since 2012. In this new instance, it allows Verizon to uh, set the price 7% higher uh, for the next two years, and then there's a year off, and then they can set the price higher another 7% two years, and then another year off, and so on and so on indefinitely. So the prices will just keep going up and up and up and up. Um, it's interesting you should say that. I, I recently was looking for a new domain name, and that was like one of the things I noticed is like, wow, like a lot of these domain names all of a sudden are like a couple hundred bucks. Like it, 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 it wasn't showing that it was like a. Like an and I just assumed it was like one of these auction sites being fed in, but it wasn't. It wasn't obvious that's what it was. And I just I remember thinking like, wow, I've never seen domain the price of domain names be so so spread as as I was seeing this day. And I wonder if that's why. That's weird. So right now the base price for a domain is seven dollars and eighty five cents. Uh, Namecheap charges $8.88 because their markup is that that $1.03. So that's how Namecheap makes their money off of it. Um, But over the next 10 years, a domain name cost would, if if Namecheap is making the same profit, a domain name would cost $17.50 per domain name. Which isn't a huge difference if you buy one or two domain names, but if you're a company like mine and you own thousands of domain names, that's tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. It adds um, up quickly. Yeah, it's pretty nasty. And the problem is that the whole thing, again, was a secret deal, was not discussed openly, was not given to any of the people who were actually concerned with the sale. So... I can is really just just screwing the pooch. It's bad. So somebody in I can is is buying a new new luxury boat and house and yeah, very absolutely. happy with themselves. Yeah. Uh, and then All the right. last bit of news. Okay. Uh, a federal judge has blocked Microsoft from working on the Pentagon's multi-billion-dollar cloud computing cloud computing contract called Jedi because he agreed Space Force that Donald Trump was unfairly biased against Amazon because of Jeff Bezos. Huh. So he halted okay. the multi-billion dollar deal called Jedi which screw them for taking such a cool name (laughs) and now we've got this litigation between Amazon and Google about is it fair if the president doesn't like the owner of your company and can cancel contracts (sighs) based on that yeah I I don't even want to go down that path yet why not oh gosh no nope that's it that's, That's it. it. We're done. That's all I got. Episode 178, ladies and gentlemen. You've survived. you survived another show of three of the ugliest developers you know. 
I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm John Congdon. And I'm Tom Rideout. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in our Discord channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly. Keep it ugly.